Alright, so we're going to be in our study, back in our study of uh, biblical, uh, biblical relationships in light of Hebrews chapter 11 in our faith family portrait. And so some of these studies, a little disclaimer, some of these studies might not be the direction you think we, you know, kind of traditionally would go because I want to spend time on the relationship aspect of it, right? Um, and how the relationship aspect is tangibly impacting people's walk with the Lord. So I committed to you all awkward family photos. I did not receive any from anyone yet. I will be calling you all out individually at some point. But we're going to share. This would have been perfect to share last week with, I think, with uh, Cain and Abel. But this is our one of our awkward family photos. Um, hopefully you guys online can see it. Manning was not thrilled uh, to be taking pictures. I just took a, a, a picture of a picture, but... Uh, Manning was not thrilled, so Michelle had to had to just get that one right, uh, and that goes out every Christmas, every fall, or, or it's out now. well, it's out now, but it, it kind of gets a place of prominence. It seems like uh, at uh, so so yeah, he has to he's look not, at that. He's not thrilled so. because his stripes are not lined up perfectly with Marshall's. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, I can assure you that's not uh, there were. So we have another one of all of us. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna because that'll come up in another time. So Manning's gonna Manning's gonna represent on our awkward family photos, uh, for sure. So please send me your awkward family photos. I want to, we we need to laugh uh, together. But all right. So our hypothesis, by way of reminder, is that ministry relies on relationships. Therefore, there are practical lessons to be learned from the relationships of those in the hall of faith. We see in Romans 14 and 7, none, no, none of us live to himself and no man died to, to himself. Those relationships are important. And, and so today we're going to really spend time on Enoch. And uh, this is just a guy, I think he's wearing shoes by a lake, I, trying to look a little bit like Enoch, I don't know. But uh, it's hard to do a portrait of Enoch. Obviously, we don't know what he looked like. We don't know how he how he was translated, etc. Um, so, so it's just re- a little bit representative. But if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 5, uh, verses 5 and 6 actually, uh, we'll spend time in both of those places. We're going to primarily be in Hebrews 11, Genesis 5, and then uh, a few verses in Jude, at least, that we will uh, you know, talk about, and then some other cross-references that will be on the screen. But Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All right, and so these these concepts are what we're really going to spend time with on today, and then obviously some additional comment, uh, concepts out of Genesis and Jude. And so, uh, so that was that was Hebrews uh, eleven five and six, uh, and then so Genesis. Um, we're just going to reference these these verses here. Uh, again, they're they're in your uh, on your handout by by reference. But Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. 
And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then this is uh, Hebrews 11:6 verse. But if we jump down to this last on, on the slide, Jude 14 and 15. Also Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that, um, that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So we have really these three passages that are going to be our key to our study in, uh, of Enoch today. So these are the three uh, key, uh, really the really, really the only references to Enoch that now. So I, I got to just throw this out there, no extra charge. There's some other guys in Scripture that have a name like Enoch. Okay, so if you did a word study on Enoch, you're going to end up with some other dudes. Um, you know, it's not too unlike the fact that if somebody, you know, was named James and, and, and then they have a great grandson and somebody wants to honor that person and name their kid James, uh, obviously a different person, but same name, you know, means the same, those types of things. But uh, there are some other people. But what we're going to see today is that relationships can drive godly responses relationships and I would I would put out uh, I guess a bit of a hypothesis for this study or a little bit of a, a principle is that the relationships in Enoch's life are what drove his relation his amazing relationship uh, when did things change for Enoch who was around to witness it what that causes us to do and how our in- actions impact our relationship with God so we're going to spend some time going over each of those so when things changed uh, in the Genesis account, uh, in Genesis 5, if you, again, if you want to turn there, but Genesis 5, 21, and Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. So obviously, um, Methuselah was his oldest. Uh, it's interesting because Methuselah, the name Methuselah, is a man of dart or man of arrow or man of war or weapon. So, you know, when he he names Methuselah, when Enoch names Methuselah, there's this kind of tone uh, around his heart, for lack of better terms, of that of 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 aggression, of that of conflict, right? But it does seem as though, and, and I, you know, I'm not dogmatic about this, but it seems as though Enoch's focus was different after his son was born and after he starts to have other sons and daughters because of the way Scripture refer- references it, that it says, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. He was 65 years old when Methuselah was born, and he walked with God 300 years. It doesn't say that he walked with God 362 years or 300 or 360 years. He was five years old. No, it, 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 I believe it clearly implies that there was an inflection point when Methuselah was born. Now, maybe it's not the day Methuselah was born. He names him man of war or man of dart. But <clears throat> certainly, fairly soon thereafter, I believe this responsibility hits Enoch. And we're going to see that Enoch was actually one of the younger, or he was he was one of the guys who had kids younger than um, at an earlier age than many of the others. And we'll look at that chart in just, just a moment. 
generally people were having children older. <clears throat> so as a result, I do think this was a an inflection point. So things changed for Enoch at some point. And that brings us to our first relationship rule, is these earthly relationships can, can change the direction of our relationship with God. Now, that's not, that, there's no, that is not a deep point. I, I just, there are times when I know my relationship with Michelle impacts her relationship with God, both for positive and for negative, unfortunately. I'm human, I mess up. I can say the same for her. I can say the same for my kids. There are a lot of people, I mean, how many people have you talked to, maybe in this ministry, that have gotten, quote, back in church because of their kids? They realize, well, when it's just me living this way or me and my spouse living this way, it's one thing. But now we've got a responsibility. And so the relation, these earthly relationships, maybe it's the coworker you work with or maybe it's the sibling that, that, that uh, gets a relationship with God. We, you know, we actually will s have seen that uh, and, and to some degree we'll see it again with the relationships with um, you know, with uh, Peter and 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 uh, Andrew and and James and John, right? When they when they first get saved or first get called by the Lord, this these earthly relationships matter. They impact the way uh, you know the way uh, the the way we respond to God. So so that's really the first the first point. So so who was around to witness it? And I apologize in advance if this is if this is difficult. But this is about 4,000 BC. So each one of these lines is about 500 years, okay? And that's what you should have that on your, on your, uh, on your handout, okay? So about 500 years. So I put some names, I left some blanks there. The first one's obviously Adam, right? I left that one. And then you have, um, you have uh, Enoch or Enos or, or Enosh or Enos. You have uh, Enoch here, uh, you know, Methuselah, Lamech, you have Noah, and then Shem, him, and Japheth. I was kind of running out of room here, uh, so that's the, the, the Noah boys. But I wanted you to be able to fill this in. So these are their lifespans over the entirety. The first section is how old they were before they had a kid, okay? So this was this is clearly documented in Scripture, uh, the number of years. Now... There could be a little bit of variance when somebody says they were, it was, you know, they were 65 years when they had, you know, Enoch was 60 and five years, right? So was that before his birthday or after his birthday? And, and when you start counting those, you can literally lose a year. Like right now, how old am I, Michelle? I'm going to be... I'm going to be 49 this year. I'm 48 right year, right now, but it's my 49th year, right? Because of I was born in a year and now, right? So you got to be careful. So my point is, this is not meant to be like a scientific... I was going to make a joke about biblical dating. This is not about kissing dating goodbye. This is a biblical dating like can, can have this little... We can have a little variance. So I don't want you to walk away from this under the impression that these are hard fast rules but but the line below it should uh, correlate to the line to the to the transition above it because that's when the 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 son was born so adam lives this period of time seth lives this period of time etc so what's really interesting and i and i reference it before 
is that Enoch is relatively young compared to some of these other folks that have had kids, okay? Some of them, for instance, Adam was 130 years old, uh, Seth uh, was 105, Enos or Enosh was 90, uh, Kenan or Canaan was 70, Mahay Lalil was 65, so he was the same age. Jared was 162, uh, Methuselah was 187, Lamech was 182, and Noah was 500. I mean, these are these are interesting timelines just when you when you look at that i can't imagine living that long right i I just can't even can't even fathom it but there's some some importance here because do you notice that enoch was alive i don't know that i have this specifically on your page yeah yeah he overlapped 308 years with that his great 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 grandfather adam I don't know if I got that right, but he overlapped with Adam for 308 years. He had the opportunity, multiple opportunities, to talk with Adam about what things were like. I mean, that, to my, in my mind, just blows me away that he could have overlapped the life of this guy, you know, that, that literally was created and knew what it was like before the fall. I mean, that, that blows my mind. Also, notice in in the uh, in Genesis chapter three. So, well, and, and so so relative to this uh, Enoch walking with God, it's interesting because the first time we ever see this walking in Scripture in Genesis three eight, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. So they didn't walk with God; they hid from God. So Enoch literally has the the ability to interact with Adam about what it was like to walk with God. As did all of these guys. Um, you know, even Methuselah and Lamech to some to some degree. Noah didn't. Noah was older or born after Adam died, but all of these guys had the opportunity to sit down with their some version of grandfather, some version of father, and say, what was it like? And then the interesting thing is Look in verse uh, Genesis 4:26, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and called his name Enos. Now, the Enoch and Enos, they're really com- kind of completely different Hebrew words, so don't really um, don't tie those together. I don't know if something happened. Are you? It looks like you guys are still there. Okay. Eliza said she can't see the video, and she can't hear you. Okay. Interesting. Let me see. Gracier or Annette, can you hear me? Is that better? Can you? Annette, can you give me a thumbs up? Okay. All right. So maybe Liza could rejoin. I don't know. If you guys could send that out to everybody, that would be great. So, um, so, so don't tie up Enoch and Enos, but look at verse, uh, again, Genesis 4, 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So there was a sacrifice pretty early 
that resulted, we saw this before, right? That sat, resulted in someone's death. And then it was a little while. It wasn't for a, a, a good while before Enos, Enosh, uh, or Enos was born that men started calling on the name of the Lord. There was a new form of worship, if you will, a new form of praise. Enoch had that relationship with, his, in this case, his, you know, great, 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 or no, I guess great, great grandfather, right? So those relationships were very strong. Again, the focus here today on this study is the relationships that Enoch had, all right? It's very, very important. He had these uh, relationships. It's a, it's a bit of an interesting study. We don't have time to go through it today. But it's a bit of an interesting study to look at the, the words behind these names. The, the Hebrew meaning behind these names uh, literally means, uh, Seth means like compensation for, uh, for, for Abel's death. Uh, Enosh or Enos was a representative of man, kind of like if somebody were to call a child a guy today, right? It's a, or, you know, it's, it's similar to a, a, a person, right? Uh, possession, praise of God, descent, and dedicated. It's a really interesting study uh, to look at the progression of these names. But notice a couple of, uh, of other different concepts here. So again, you've got huge chunks of time going by. Literally, here is the, the, the uh, flood at this point. Um, and, and so there is a little bit of a line there between Lamech's death and the flood. And Methuselah, you know, it's kind of reported that he was right up, right up against the flood. So just kind of, I, I thought this was important for you all to see that these relationships that Enoch had, whether it was all the way back to, to uh, his, his, I think, what did I put, great, great, great grandfather, um, you know, that he knew. Or, uh, or whether it was Enos, that that when that period of time when men started to walk with God, I mean that's real uh, started to call on on God rather. So 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 this brings us to our second relationship rule: examples of how to or how not to have uh, how sorry not to have a relationship with God are there to be seen from our spiritual lineage. So these relationships. I'll give us examples of how to or how not to approach God. There are men in my spiritual lineage that I want to follow their example. There are men in my spiritual lineage who I very much want not to follow their example. They did things that, that I would consider to be uh, wrong. They hurt people. I want to learn from those. I would argue that based on Enoch's life and what he had seen, we'll see in a few minutes that he became a preacher. He prophesied against people's ungodliness. He took a stand for Christ. And I believe, for God, uh, he took a stand and we take a stand for Christ. And we can do that in light of or in complementing our spiritual lineage or in contrast to our spiritual lineage. I don't know how many generations back. I've only go back a few generations spiritually. I lose track of what happened and who led who to Christ and who discipled who, etc. But there is a spiritual lineage. And I would argue that you have one as well. 
you know, whether it's, uh, yeah, you got saved in, watching a Billy Graham crusade or whether it was, uh, you know, somebody discipling you and, and taking you through scripture, whatever the case was, you have a spiritual lineage. You can trace your lineage back uh, to, to the early New Testament church in some way, shape, or form. And through that, there are men and women that you should follow their example and there are men and women that you should not follow their example or or maybe follow their example for certain points of their life and not others okay so what does this cause us to do or or really in this case what did it cause Enoch to do he chose to walk with God he came to this inflection point when Methuselah was born or around the time of Methuselah's birth that he was going to walk with God. I believe he had the ability to reflect on examples from previous. Now it looks like we've lost maybe everybody. Um, so he, you know, he had these opportunities to learn from the past. And so what he does is he chooses to walk with God. In Genesis 5, 21 and 24, the phrase appears twice that Enoch walked with God. Now, it's the second and third time walk is mentioned in the Bible. The first time we already referenced, right? That God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and then Adam and Eve hid themselves. So literally this concept of walking with God Aside from it happening prior to the fall with Adam and Eve, it's the first time it's documented. Enoch was breaking spiritual ground in relationships with God. How he did it. Micah, it's interesting, Micah says, look, look, Micah 6, 8, He hath showed, uh, showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? What is your, the expe expectation of God, of you and me, to do justly, love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Like that's an expectation. That's something the Lord wants from us is to do justly, love mercy, mercy and walk humbly with him. And I'm I'm a, you know, I I've referenced it a few times in my teaching, certainly in private conversations and that like that I am a guy that really enjoys the study of walking, right? I had to do that in school because I learned how to make devices that help people with deformities and, and weaknesses, uh, certainly folks that have lost limbs. And walking is both a science and an art. And we joke, we joked in school, we joked early on about getting your eye for watching people walk. And they challenged us to when we went to the mall, which is not even a thing, I don't think anymore. We went to the mall, when we would sit in an airport, whatever, watch people walk. And Michelle can testify, uh, happened probably within the last week. I said, I know it happened times that I haven't even said. I said, that guy's got cerebral palsy or that person's had a stroke or that person you know, has, has had a fracture in their life. Because I can tell the deviations, and I might not be 100% accurate, but I'm probably pretty close. I'm pretty close to the family because I can see the variance from normal, okay? And that's the key. It's kind of like a dollar bill. You know, they don't train, you know, tellers to, to identify actual dollar bills. They train them to identify counterfeits. And I'm not implying that people are counterfeit walkers, but I can, I know what normal is supposed to look like, and I can see the variance. And that causes me. Here, literally, Enoch is setting a bar that you can walk with God. That is a series of steps. 
And, and the bar is set so high that he's translated. We're not even really going to spend time on this translation today. A, because there's not a lot there in Scripture. It, it is a bit of a mystery, if you will, of what actually happened with him. But we do know that it's recorded at least twice that he walked with God, right? And, he, and back in the Hebrews reference that he pleased God. Look at, look at this, the, the relationship that goes down. These are in Genesis 6-9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and walked. Noah walked with God. So I'm going to go back up a little bit. Look at this. Noah never lived at the same time as Enoch. Enoch's, Enoch's life must have meant something. I mean, look at how much shorter it was. He disappeared. I am quite certain that two generations, three generations later, the story is still out there. I mean, we still are reading about it and talking about it even hundreds and hundreds of years uh, later. That even just maybe, you know, a hundred years or not even a hundred years later, after Enoch walked with God and was translated, that Noah chooses to do the same. Noah chooses. So, so what does that cause us to do? It causes us to react, these relationships that we have. What else did it cause uh, us to do? Or at least in, no, in Enoch's case, and it should cause us to do, he was a preacher. So I've read this, the passage in Jude, but look at this, and I've referenced it one other time. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, and then he, he prophesies, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. He literally, that early, was looking to, to a millennial to the return of Christ. I mean, that's going to be, I mean, that's amazing to me that God gave Enoch that insight and then Jude for him to, to document it. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So in light of John 16, 8, when he has come, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And I'm going to make an argument that Enoch was in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's recorded that he preached these because, look, the three things that the Holy Spirit will reprove of, sin, righteousness, and judgment, are all in the passage of what it says that Enoch spoke about. He spoke about judgment. He spoke about unrighteousness and therefore righteousness the contrast right convincing them to do that you have to you have to have both sides and of all their hard speeches which they have spoken against him in sin which is some of the the most vile things you can do is speak against god so so literally enoch was a preacher that was in tune with the holy spirit now he didn't have the holy spirit indwelling in him like we do us but i again Based on the, 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 the completeness of Scripture, I, I don't think I'm taking any kind of stretch or any kind of liberty that not only was his faith important, that that pleased God, that, w that we saw and we'll see again in Hebrews 11, not only did he walk with God, but that walk caused him to do some things. It caused him to speak. It caused him to go. It caused him to respond. Okay, so that brings us to our relationship rule number three for the day. Your actions are simply manifestations of the basis of your relationship with anybody. I mean, this is this is again. These are not 
<clears throat> excuse me, these are not super duper deep, uh, you know, counseling lessons. They're very straightforward. The way you treat your spouse is a manifestation of the basis of your relationship. The way you react to your kids, the way they react to you, the way you interact with people in your community, at your workplace, whatever it is, is a basis, it's a manifestation rather, of the basis of your relationship. The relationship that I have with almost any person my son's getting ready to start high school, which is just weird to say out loud. Our youngest is getting ready to start high school, which is weird to say out loud. I treat his principal with respect. Like, it's the basis of the relationship. I do, I'm not disrespectful to that individual. Certainly, people I work with, you know, certainly the, 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 the law enforcement folks. I mean, if a, if, a, if a police officer pulls me over and he says, do you know why I pulled you over? I'm going to say, no, sir, I don't. Unless I do know. But I'm going to give him or her the respect that the office is due. The basis of our relationships, the familiarity often breeds contempt in, in our per, interpersonal relationships, and that is the manifestation of the basis of the relationship. So if you start looking at your own actions in a relationship with a dispassionate view and start saying, why did I say that? You know, one of the things that Michelle and I, and I'm just going to be very real with you all, I try to be very transparent. We had a discussion within the last uh, few days, week or so, that she felt disrespect because I was speaking over her. Like, uh, the end of her sentence. I would speak over the end of her sentence. Now, we came to the conclusion that both of us had a little bit of a, a part in that, that she kind of kept the sentence going after she had made her point, right? So she had made her point, but she kind of was still, not, not droning on by a long shot, but she was continuing to speak. And I was starting the process of responding to her point and not letting her finish. And in my mind had already drawn a conclusion about her point, okay? We had to work through that. But we did it out of mutual respect. We had to work that my actions, I could easily say, woman, I'm the man, I'm the husband, you know, but we chose mutual submission. We chose communication and that those, man, those actions were manifestations of a right relationship. I could have just put my foot down or pounded my fist on the table and said this is the way it's going to be or whatever but but i'm not gonna because that's not how our relationship is right we're gonna work through it there are other situations where i'm gonna be very direct literally last night manning says what time are we you know are we going which service are we going to and we told him we were coming to the service before this and then coming to class and he said why and because that's my choice like I'm the dad and like I said the reason is I don't want to get out as late because we've got some things we got to get done and getting behind on some things in light of some of the other commitments I've got and I don't want to get home at 2.30 after lunch today like but it's not his place to challenge that like and that 
action was the manifestation of the basis of our relationship. He's starting to, to push back a little bit, trying to, to show some independence and I'm looking to Michelle for validation here, some independence and some, some, uh, some, some uh, growth. And we still have to be very careful where we keep those lines. Have to be very careful. So your actions will impact your relationship with God. You can't routinely do A and expect your relationship to be opposite of A or B. So when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, it said that God was pleased with Enoch. His faith pleased him. So one of the things we have to do is we have to deny the flesh. Romans 8.8, so they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't please your flesh and, or be in the flesh and please God. So Enoch had to make that decision in his life. He had to keep his commandments according to 1 John uh, 3.22, and whatsoever we ask we receive of him. Listen, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, by keeping his commandments to do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And then praise and magnify. Psalm 69, 30, 31. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. <clears throat> so more so than sacrifice, he wants to be, he wants to see, hear uh, songs that magnify and give him thanksgiving. Okay, so our our actions, if we don't do these things, we're sending a signal to God. We're telling God, you stay in your place, I'll stay in mine. But when when you do these things, God responds. And this is the beauty of what happens with with um, with with Enoch. When a man's ways please the Lord, according to Proverbs 16, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I don't know about you, but I think about what it was like back in, uh, you know, what fill in the blank, whether it's medieval times, early New Testament times, Old Testament, different phases of Old Testament, I think <clears throat> not necessarily what it was like to be a king, but I do think about what the situation was like. And I guess sometimes when I'm reading some of the, the, the Old Testament stories about the kings and stuff, I do think about what it was like to be the king and the choices that people had to make and why under some kings did a did an army come in and evade, invade? Were they more prepared? Or you know, I just think about those things. But what's interesting is, when a man's ways please the Lord, the Lord will will provide a buffer of peace. And I don't have to walk through. I, I know some believers who literally like the bull in the china shop. They literally there's like a wake. There's like a sonic wake behind them of just. Blah, discord and trouble and con conflict and because they've got to get their point across. But it just please the Lord, do these things, please the Lord, and, and, and enemies will be at peace. There, I, I will tell you, I have applied this, I have, I have begged the Lord for this in my workplace. My job by its very nature is to call people to the carpet and tell them they're doing things wrong, sometimes things that are illegal. Those are not comfortable conversations. People could be very upset with me, very angry with me. Sure, we've all had uh, you know, our contentious discussions, 
But I've prayed that even my enemies or those that would have interpersonal conflict with me at work would be at peace with me. And Michelle, I think, can testify that I've had that happen over time where uh, relationships have been restored, etc. So our inactions impact our relationship with God. Enoch did the same. So as we wrap this up, furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so would ye abound more and more. So literally... Paul is writing the church of Thessalonica and he says, you've learned how to walk and please God, which I think it's just awesome that there is a verse where both of these concepts are together. Enoch walked with the Lord, according to Genesis, and in Hebrews, he pleased the Lord because of his faith. Both of those concepts are in this verse. When we, brethren, or we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, you've already received how to do this. This is not a new thing. This is not some spit and polish and a repackaging. You know, so much of Christianity is repackaging things that are just fundamental, basic concepts. I don't want to repackage anything. I just want to let the Word of God speak. It's literally just re, just uh, restating, not repackaging. You know how to do this. You know how to walk with the Lord. You know how to please him. So you would do it more and more. It's a constant process. It's a constant process. You're going to have to work at it tomorrow harder than today. And today harder than yesterday. For us to grow in our relationship with the Lord... For us to abound more and more, to walk closer with him, to not shy away or not to stray or not to to deviate, it's going to take effort. And it's going to take more work today than, than yesterday. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy. Uh, do just pray for the folks that were online. I don't know those technical struggles and that like, but I just pray that uh, they were able to to hear what they needed to hear or uh, certainly could maybe follow up with that later. Lord, I pray for each person here um, that, that the things that we shared, the things that we talked about today would hit them in a very real place, uh, that they would be able to uh, to change, to to have an inflection point in their life uh, with re- with a specific relationship, or to grow in their in their walk or in their faith with you, that you would be pleased, and that ultimately someday we're going to be, you know, praise God, we would be raptured and and uh, would be no more. We would be translated. And Lord, we didn't even talk about that really today, but we know that Enoch had such a beautiful, beautiful, intimate relationship with you um, that that he stands as a testament. So we thank you for it and uh, just ask that you help us to put these things uh, into place in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.